0: Amen. Amen. We're going to talk some about that grace here as we uh, unbind the Word of God for us this morning. As we look at my favorite psalm uh, today, Psalm 103. Before we do so, let's go to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That as the scripture is read and proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you would say to us this day. Amen. And I forgot to mention earlier, we welcome people that are watching us online. So those of you that are on Facebook or on YouTube, welcome. Sorry I didn't say that earlier, but we, we have plenty of people that do tune into us. So thank you for watching us this day. Now, Psalm 103. What a great psalm this is. It tells us so much about who God is. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless God's holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfy you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He's made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. For he knows how we were made. He remembers we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. For those who keep his covenant and remember his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, all you His angels, you mighty ones who do His bidding, obedient to His spoken word. Bless the Lord, all of His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all of His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever in a jar or wherever you keep all your writing utensils? and you're hunting for a pencil, and it seems like all the pencils are all lead and no eraser. Any of y'all like that? You, you have made so many mistakes or messed up on so many of your figurings that you've had to use that eraser a whole lot. I know when I took math, I had to do a lot of erasing a lot of times. I didn't have a lot of eraser left. I needed what Nan Uselack just gave me, a big old eraser just like this. You know, I need to keep that with me. You know, some of us are in life like that. We feel like that we've run out of a racer, that we have made so many mistakes that there's no way in the world that they can take from us. Or we see that we have a whole lot of life left or whatever life we have left going forward. How in the world are we going to move forward and someone take care of the mistakes I've made or how I have blown it? You know, are you, any of y'all ever like that? I know I feel that way. Well, this psalm is for us because it describes for us our human condition and also tells us the great truth of who God is. It's a beautiful psalm that reminds us that no matter what, that steadfast love of the Lord is there from everlasting to everlasting. Look how the psalm starts out. It starts out as a hymn of praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. When we take time to think about how God has blessed us and how much God has bestowed his goodness and mercy to us, it seems like the problems of life go away. The problem is for people like me, I don't do that enough. I was raised in an atmosphere that was like this. You know the old saying, where for every dark cloud there's a silver lining. Our saying in our household was, for every silver lining there's got to be a dark cloud, right? Y'all, have you all ever been in an atmosphere like that? I mean, it seemed like that's the way life was for me. And my mom loves, to, or used to love to tell a story about when we went to see my brother's graduation from Florida State University in Tallahassee. And we are staying in one of those old-fashioned motels. You know those motels that had the doors coming out, that, you know, the, those ones like that. And my dad didn't want to pay for anything too nice, so it wasn't maybe in the best part of town either. And my mom informed us after we got there that said, you know, Eddie, that's what they called me back then. said, no, Eddie, uh, we only have two tickets for this graduation. And if it rains and we can't go to the stadium, you're going to have to stay in this room all by yourself. Now, I was about seven or eight years old, and I got scared to death about that. I thought, what happens if some criminals come? Uh, you know, what, what happened if someone came to get me? I was worried that I was in this big city all by myself. Now, a few years from later, I would have said, yeah, Mom, Dad, you all go on. I'm going to watch television. I might sneak out and do something. But, you know, I was seven or eight years old, I was worried about that. And it looked like a a beautiful day outside, and I kept looking at the curtain, and I looked outside, and I started crying, and my mom loves to ham this up. My mom would say, Eddie, there's not a cloud in the sky. And I said, yeah, but look over there. And way in the distance was a tiny black cloud. And that cloud did happen to come over that area, and a little Florida sunshine did fall down upon that area. But... It quickly passed away. We got to go to graduation. I saw Helen Hayes do the commencement address. It's super cool. But how many times in my life, and maybe in your life, if you're like me, you have let those little dark clouds keep us from viewing this great sunshine that God has provided or seeing the blessings that God has poured into our lives? And how do we overcome that tendency that's in people like me, maybe like you, to miss out on seeing All God's benefits, because we forget to bless the Lord, oh my soul. And when we take time to give thanks to God and to praise God for who God is, it seems like those problems that are out there in life, well, yeah, some of them are very hard and difficult. But we can see the grandeur of God's love and who God is in the midst of all of that. So the psalm starts out by opening up the, the heart of whoever wrote the psalm. We believe it is David, but whoever reads the psalm and recites the psalm, it opens up our heart to receive all that God wants to bring into our lives. And the overarching theme of this psalm is God's steadfast love that's from everlasting to everlasting. The steadfast love that surrounds us and holds us and keeps us Now, the word for steadfast love in Hebrew is chesed. Chesed. Can you all say that with me? Chesed. Chesed. You don't want to say that in a crowded room. People might think you're spitting on them. Chesed. The steadfast love of the Lord. It is so great that we can never see the end of it. Remember, we talked about that that very first week. This steadfast love, this mercy that surrounds us, the Hebrew word for mercy gives us a word picture of a womb. We are in the womb of God's steadfast love and mercy from the day we were born, and as it says in the psalm, to the time that we die, that steadfast love is there. It surrounds us, it keeps us, it holds us. It's never failing, love. The problem is that in our modern time, we do not see this love in the world around us. We cannot quantify this love. I got to go visit uh, John Thomas a few weeks ago, and you know, great member of this church. He was a rocket scientist, literally, and it reminded me of how much I love the space program and and. Studying all the things that are going on, still to this day, where we explore the space and the stars. You know, we recently sent up uh, these uh, these probes to to uh, go to Mars, and you know, there's this Mars lander that's there exploring. We, we've got this airplane that's flying around on Mars, looking at all uh, the the Martian landscape. There's a, a telescope called Kepler, and it can view many, many light years into space. It's discovered a planet that maybe can hold life, but it's 500 million light years away. And, and when, I was a, when I was a teenager, some of y'all remember Voyager 1 and Voyager 2. I mean, it went out there into space and it's supposed to, Voyager 1 was to look at Saturn and, and Jupiter and Voyager 2 is Uranus and, and, and Neptune. And now those rascals are flying still yet 14.2 billion miles from earth out in interstellar space. Now they're out there, woo, flying out there, still sending back signals. They're sending back signals about all the wonders of the universe. But even with those great scientific probes, they cannot discover that all this universe is held together by chesed, steadfast love, what binds us together and holds everything within the great orb of God's embrace of love. We miss it too often, Cam, don't we? We can't quantify it, but it's there, holding on to us, embracing us. And as the psalmist says, healing of our diseases. Now, I can hear you saying this right now. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I've prayed that the Lord would cure me my baldness, and nothing has happened yet. Men, can we say amen to that, right? My arthritis is sure bothering me a little bit. You know, I, I have indigestion when I eat all that pizza. I know I shouldn't eat five helpings of you. Lord, you should be healing me of those things, right? The problem that we have sometimes with that is that, in all seriousness, we have prayed for people to be healed, right? I can remember fervently praying for a, a fellow named Yancey in a town in Bruton, Alabama. We, we had a prayer service filled up the church. And Yancey's now in heaven. We wanted him to stay here on earth. And y'all, we live in a broken world, so people will get sick. People will die of diseases. But the psalmist says, cure me of all my diseases. What's he talking about? Well, many of our physical problems are tied to a spiritual malady. You know, Jesus, when he healed the leper, one of my favorite healing stories in Mark 2, What did he say? First of all, hey, you're all well, get up, get on. Come on, boy, let's go. No, uh uh-uh. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. For the word for healing and the word for salvation in the Greek are the same root. They both mean to heal a sin sickness within ourselves. And how many of our fleshly maladies are caused by our own sinfulness? What is stress? What is stress besides the, the desire that your mind has to overcome the desire in your own body to beat up somebody that richly deserves it, right? I mean, some people say that, it, that, that that could be stress. But stress too often is ourselves feeling like that we are God, that we try to do too much or that we try to think that we're in control of so many things and not taking time to obey the fifth commandment, which is Sabbath, the most broken commandment, by the way, y'all. We don't take a a day or some time to just rest in this chesed, this steadfast love. And so stress is killing so many people, high blood pressure, ulcers. I'm filling out paperwork right now to get a new doctor. Y'all have ever moved. You You know how you have to do that type of stuff. And in the forms I'm filling out, it's ask a question, recreational drug use? I said no, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Our own sinfulness is causing so many of our own bodily ailments and sicknesses, isn't it? What the Lord is talking about here is he longs to heal our as the Psalm, old song says, to heal our sin-sick soul. And sometimes we will receive some bodily healing in that. But more importantly, our hearts are healed. And we can experience the abundance of his love as he heals our hearts of our sin-sickness. For there is a balm in Gilead that makes the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul. So he heals our sin-sick souls. He heals us of those diseases as we take time to bless the Lord. What, oh, my soul? And then I love this line, who forgives us of our iniquity, because he knows who we are. He knows our frame. He knows that we have this propensity to wander from his goodness and his grace. And he knows that we're going to blow it again and again and again and again. How many of you all have a habit you want to break? None of you? Goodness gracious. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We have a bunch of... Perfect saints out there. Yeah, we, all of us do, don't we? All of us want to take up the habit, you know, Lord, uh, you know, this is a new day, and I, I want to start by reading my Bible and in prayer. And we may start doing that for and, and are very faithful for a week or so, and then we oversleep and, or we forget about it or we get busy, things are going on, and then we realize that we have failed in this discipline that we wanted to carry on for ourselves so we could get closer to God, and then so what do we do? Forget it. You know, I can't do that. that that's only for St. Augustine and people like that. I can't do all this stuff. And that's the sin, is to give up. Or some of us have a bad habit of going through the grocery store and somehow the ice cream just leaps into the buggy. Has that ever happened to you? They're, you know, I'm, I'm going to quit going to Lowe's because that ice cream from the Bluebell section just leaps in there. And then it ends up in the freezer. And, you know, I'll say to myself, I'm just going to let it sit there and I can do that for about five minutes and there I go with the spoon, right? Yeah. Yeah, any of you all there that have, that have that little sweet tooth that you want to give up, eat a little healthier, take up an exercise program, And you do it for a little while, and then it goes away. And the sin is not the failing. The sin is the quit trying. The sin is listening to the voice of the accuser saying, you're never going to be any better. You will never be as holy as you think you ought to be you will never be able to pick up that habit that you think you ought to do. Or you can't quit going to the grocery store and eating ice cream. You can never do that. And so we say, well, you know, what the heck, I'm, I'm just going to dive right in. That's the sin, is to quit. Because the Lord knows our frame. He knows that we will fail. The sin is to quit Trusting that his grace is sufficient to help you keep trying. I love the saying of an old monk. He said, The spiritual life is this you take a few steps and you fall down, you take a few steps, you fall down, you take a few steps and you fall down, all the way to heaven. I love that, don't you? You see, the Lord knows that we are like sheep, that we go astray, but the steadfast love of the Lord is there to forgive us of all our iniquity. As the book of Micah says, the Lord takes our iniquity and tramps on it under his feet. He sends our guilt and places it into the depths of the sea. You see, y'all, as the psalmist says here, As far as the Voyager spacecraft is above earth, so far does he remove our sin from us. As far as Miami is from Beijing, that's how far he removes our sinfulness from us. He remembers it no more. The problem many of us have is that we can't let it go. We can't believe in this enough. And we hold on to the shame, the guilt. We hold on to the mistakes, the regrets of the past. A woman came to see her pastor, her name was uh, Annie. And she made the appointment and, and came and sat down in the pastor's office. And as ha- happens, you know, you start with a little chit-chat, talk about the kids, the grandkids, the weather, how the Braves are doing. Uh, <laughs> and, and things like that. The wise pastor knew that there was more to her visit than just talking about just pleasantries. So he said, okay, Annie, tell me why you're here. And the tears started to flow. She said, you know, when I was a teenager, I was so involved in church. My parents were devout. My granddaddy was a pastor. Uh, You know, I wanted to make them proud. And so I, I was at church all the time, did stuff in the youth group, sang in the choir, and then I went off to, to college with the hopes of, of pursuing a medical degree. And, I, you know, I had all the grades going into college to do that. But as happens when you get away from home for the very first time, she, she started to uh, go out and try to hang out with the, the cool in crowd in the, in the sorority. And they began to, uh, you know, started to drink and do some other things and then started crowding uh, around. And next thing you know, her grades plummeted. And she dropped out of school and went off to live with somebody in a faraway city. Well, eventually, uh, she turned her life around. She got a a great job and a, a wonderful career. It wasn't what she intended at first. She met a wonderful man, had a beautiful family. But her parents still held that disappointment about her life over her. And as she's telling the story, and she's beginning to sob, uh, this wise pastor said, well, have you asked God for forgiveness? Have you prayed about this? She said, oh, many times. Have you talked to your parents? Some? They, yes, they, they say they've put it behind me, but I know they're disappointed. And so the pastor had a whiteboard in his room, and he wrote on there, regret, guilt, sin. And then he took his eraser and wiped those things off the board. He said, Annie, God's erased all of that. He's taken her away. Here's my big eraser. It's no more. He has forgotten it. And then he quoted the text from 1 John. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and take away all of our unrighteousness, our regrets of the past. So that we can move ahead. And maybe for the very first time, Ben, she experienced that grace as fully as God intended for her to experience it. See, that's what the, our God is about. He sees our sinfulness no more if all we have to do is accept the fact that his steadfast love is there and say, God, I, I want to do better. Please help me to move ahead. Erase my past. Give me a glorious future. See how the Psalms end? It doesn't end with and those who keep his commandments. I know it starts ending with a psalm of praise, you know. Bless the Lord, you angels. Bless the Lord, you ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, you heavenly hosts who do his bidding. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. We, we can do that even to in our dying day and in the hardest times of our lives if we know that somehow, some way, God has removed our iniquity and taken away our guilt and helped heal our past. We can move ahead even into death Surrounded by this steadfast love with a confidence that that love never fails. In my church in Bruton, and you'll probably hear lots of Bruton stories. We were there a long, long time. It's a town that we love so much. Even though I was uh, talking to somebody here. You know, we live in the small town of of Boone. This ain't a small town, (laughs) y'all. You know. It's a thriving metropolis. No, I know, I get, I get that. We don't have a huge population like Charlotte and Raleigh and all those other places. But it's a small town with beautiful people in it. And I went to see a man named Terry who was dying of cancer, and we prayed for his healing, trust me. Wonderful man. And as I was there near the time when he was to leave this life, I said, Terry, what would you want me to do? And he said, read me some scripture, preacher. So I read him this psalm. And as we closed out that time together and we we're saying, bless the Lord, all oh, my soul. Bless the Lord, all ye angels. Bless the Lord, all you ministers who do his will. Uh, he said, you know, Ed, as I'm not gonna be here much longer, I know and I know, I know that I'm surrounded by love. My family's presence here, your presence here, Show me that God is here with me. I know my, I've made many mistakes in the past. You know, he's a good, good man, but he's saying, you know, I know I haven't been perfect, but I know God's love for me has forgiven me. And after we had a prayer, he started to say these words as he was drifting off to sleep. You know, sometimes I have that effect on people. (laughs) Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, O my soul. And as Terry went to sleep with those words on his mouth, I did not realize that that would be the last time I would see him because that very night, Terry departed this life and into life eternal, knowing that he was surrounded by steadfast love and he could bless the Lord from the entirety of his being. I hope and pray that each and every one of you know the depths of God's love and steadfast mercy for each and every one of you, so that no matter what you're facing in this life, you know that you're surrounded by this great grace that will never let you go. This Hesed, the steadfast love, or As we can translate it through song, this amazing grace, that steadfast love, that amazing grace surrounds you and will be there from everlasting to everlasting, even after you die. It's always there, it'll never, ever depart from you. Receive it to yourself. And bless the Lord from the depths of your soul. Amen, amen, and amen.